Great. Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Pentecost uh, to you all today. Um, We're going to read in a moment from Acts chapter 2, so you may want to get your Bibles open, Acts chapter 2. And today I'm going to be reading from this Bible, which uh, 20 years ago, my good friend Ben uh, gave me this Bible as a gift. And um, at the time I was a teenager, and as we'll read from the scripture in Acts 2, uh, which references uh, Joel, uh, the book of Joel, um, it says in that passage that young men will have visions, will have dreams. And as a 14-year-old boy, that was the first time I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was given a vision of God, which was absolutely incredible. I had a very intimate and deep moment with Jesus. And from that moment, everything about my faith was secured and was on firm foundations. And uh, so we're going to read this passage again today, and my prayer is that each and every one of us would indeed encounter the Holy Spirit, just as is prophesied in the book of Joel. So here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a noise like a strong blowing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something like flames of fire that they were separated and stood over each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages by the power of the Holy Spirit which was given them. There were some religious Jews staying in Jerusalem who were there from every country in the world. When they heard this noise, a crowd came together. They were all surprised because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were completely amazed at this. They said, look, aren't all these people that we hear speaking from Galilee? Then how is it possible that we each hear them in our own languages? We are from different places. Parthia, Media, Elam, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Montus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya near Cyrene, Rome, both Jews and those who had become Jews, Crete and Arabia. But we hear them telling in our own languages about the great things God has done. They were all amazed and confused, asking each other, what does this mean? But others were making fun of them, saying they had had too much wine. But Peter stood up with the 11 apostles, and in a loud voice he spoke to the crowd, my fellow Jews... And all of you who are in Jerusalem, listen to me. Pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you think. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. But Joel the prophet wrote about what was happening here today. God says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all kinds of people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. At that time I will pour out my spirit also on my male slaves and female slaves. I will show miracles in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire and thick smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon red as blood before the overwhelming and terrible day of the Lord comes. 
then anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Wow, what an amazing passage. Now, um, we are in currently a three-week little mini-series. Last week we looked at Ascension, today we're looking at Pentecost, and next week we're going to be looking at the Trinity. And if you were here last week, you remember that Ben was speaking to us about Ascension, that Jesus ascended into heaven, and that is great news for each and every one of us. As Jesus' resurrection opened grace, his ascension opened heaven. And we have access to Jesus wherever and whenever. But it gets better, church. Jesus didn't just ascend to heaven and leave us. He promised that the Holy Spirit would be given to those who follow him. And that's what we're looking at today. Do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? If you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, can I invite you to stand if you're able? We're going to pray together. And these are words from John Wimber, an incredible man of God who believed in the power of the Holy Spirit today. And we're going to say these words together with fervor and with zeal. They're going to be on the screen. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's say these words together. Holy Spirit, I open my heart, my innermost being to you. I turn from my sin and self-sufficiency and ask that you fill me with your love, power, and gifts. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Church, do take a seat. Let's start by stating the obvious. Pentecost is not the birthday of the church because the church began when God began choosing people and saving them. Abraham, of course, often referred to as the father of the church. The idea of the people of God did not start with Pentecost. It started at the very beginning of time. Pentecost is rather a fulfillment of a promise that God will clothe his people with power from on high. Now last week when Ben was speaking to us from Luke chapter 24, Jesus said, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now as we celebrate together today all that our father has clothed us with from on high, I invite us to think about three things together. The first thing is, in verses 1 to 4, we discover that the Spirit is poured out. In verses 5 to 12, we discover that the Spirit is actually reversing what happened at Babel. And thirdly, in verses 13 to 21, we can be assured that the Spirit is for you and for me. Jesus said you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is what we see here in the first four verses of this passage, the Spirit being poured out. Now, interestingly, the disciples were asked to wait. Don't we all love waiting? In verse 1, we see the disciples were just doing that, being obedient, 
waiting together. They didn't know how long they would have to wait for, but they did it anyway. Now, we live in a society, don't we? A culture where we want everything on demand. Everything needs to be instant. We have instant noodles, pot noodles, instant coffee, much the dislike of Luke. I love it, personally. You know, instant shopping. Amazon, you get things delivered within an hour. It is balmy, to be quite honest. But we live in this culture where we want everything here and now. We're not very good at waiting, are we? So why is our attitude more often than not, waiting for God and waiting for you, God, rather than waiting with God. Because that would change everything, wouldn't it? We change it from waiting for you, God, to waiting with God. Waiting with God changes everything. It becomes active and not passive. Now, yesterday, I had a little bit of a traumatic experience. It was going so well until the afternoon. Uh, We went to the big blue and yellow store. Anyone guess what it is? Ikea, yes, I've been waiting a year for this moment. And we went, and there was no queue. It it was marvelous. And we booked our table for the famous meatballs. And um, to be honest, Rach and I, uh, early in the day, got some lamb steaks out of the freezer. And... um, we were going to eat them later on. So we were just going to feed the girls at Ikea. But as the menu and the, the waft of Swedish meatballs came past me, I was tempted. Uh, so Rachel and I came to the, the conclusion that we would go for the vegetarian meatballs. We'd go for a small number and we would share them together so that we could still have the lamb later on. It's a bit gluttonous, that, isn't it? But anyway... So we, 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 we had the meatballs, it, it was all lovely, it was all you know, fine, and the plan was to have the lamb steaks later on. Now, whilst in Ikea after the meal, I bought a new kitchen light, and uh, Rach said to me when we got home, Lee, do it tomorrow, uh, don't do it today. The sun was setting, and I thought, no, I'm not going to wait, I'm going to you know, put it up. Uh, I'll be all right. I've never actually fitted a light before, but I, I was pretty you know, confident. I did my research, I got the diagrams of all the wiring, took photos of what was taken down, etc., etc. Anyway, I, I was struggling like Billy. I, had a, I was on a step ladders which were condemned. I shouldn't have been using them, but my dad gave them for free. <laughs> I had a torch hanging out my mouth like that, gritting my teeth. Uh, the sun had already set, it was pitch black in the house, and there were so many wires coming out of the ceiling, I, I was literally overwhelmed. And then I thought I'd got there. This was now about 10 o'clock at night, okay? Any chance of the lamb steak had gone out the window. And um, all these wires were hanging out, and I, I thought I'd got it. I thought I'd got it. And then, you know, these little um, junction boxes, put all the wires in there, press the little snapper thing, and it literally snapped. And I thought, oh my word. But I give it a go anyway. Put the electricity on. Boom, boom. You know that sound that you, you hear. And I thought, oh my word, that is not good. Every light in the house went off. Uh, it, there was a bit of a noise going on. Rachel looked at me in despair, as if to say, I told you. It was now 12 o'clock last night 
we had no lights in the house, wires hanging out. And I just thought, I laughed to myself, I thought, first of all, God, you are sovereign, because you knew we weren't going to have the lamb steaks. And so you tempted me, but in a, in a godly way, to have the Swedish meatballs. Okay. So I thought, thank you, God, for that. And secondly, I was like, why didn't I just listen to my wife and wait? It would have been so much easier to do it in daylight today. But I was disobedient. And to be honest, that's the story of my life. I do not like to wait. I'm so impatient. But here's the thing. Waiting is the posture of a disciple of Jesus. We're here in, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, that strength will rise for those who will wait on the Lord. Those who will wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. If only I'd just listened to you last night. <laughs> May we learn this posture as followers of Jesus and know that there is strength to be found in this place. There is power to be unleashed. Now, I don't want us to move on quickly from this moment because I think this is a significant uh, point for us all to take in right now. The disciples' discipline of waiting saw a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Is this something we want to see here at St. Thomas's? Is it? Amen. And so here we are in verse 2. If we take a look, as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And this was a fulfillment of Jesus' promise just before he ascended. It was the fulfillment of the promise of the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before, as we'll see a little bit later on, God has come to dwell with his people forever. So we can never be apart from him now. Verse 3, what happens? Tongues of fire. I mean, this is seriously dramatic, isn't it? I, I nearly had fires coming out the ceiling last night, but this is, this is tongues of fire resting on the disciples. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. Wow, what a moment. In their waiting, the Holy Spirit rested upon each one of them. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now we pray and set our hearts on fire for love for you. Fall on us, we pray, Holy Spirit, today. Charles Spurgeon said this, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are like ships without wind. We are useless. And some churches are happy to go along with the tide but we're not called to go along with the tide. We're called to go along with the Spirit of God, with the breath of God within us. D.L. Moody said this, Christians should live in the world, but not filled with it. A ship lives in the water, but if the water gets into the ship, she goes to the bottom. So Christians may live in the world, but if the world gets into them, they sink. May that be a reminder and a challenge to each and every one of us. Verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and given the gift of tongues, not for their own glory, 
but as we will we'll see, so that many could hear the good news of Jesus. Pentecost marked a change in the life of the church. It went from being a handful of disciples in the upper room to thousands being saved, adding to their number each and every day. Don't we want to see that? Come Holy Spirit, come and do that again in our time, we pray. Now we need to know what's really happening here. We've got to appreciate a little bit of the biblical context. So secondly, the Spirit is reversing Babel in verses 5 to 12. Verse 5 says, we, be, well, we begin to see in this verse that something remarkable is, is actually happening. There were Jewish people from every nation known in the world in Jerusalem for this Pentecost festival. It was 50 days after Passover. It was, if you like, a harvest festival. Verse 6, they heard something was kicking off and they were in amazement because they heard a group of Galileans, ordinary local folk, speaking their language. And you can imagine how extraordinary this must have been. Utterly amazed. They asked, and all these who are speaking, Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears in our native language? Now, we'd be pretty much amazed too, wouldn't we, if that happened to us. But look at the diversity in these verses, 8 to 12. So many different nationalities, ethnicities, backgrounds. This is an incredible picture of God's people coming together. People from all over the place now hearing about Jesus. The spirit being poured out is a reversal of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, the people of the time try and build a tower to God to make a name for themselves. How often do we do that? And so God gives them different languages and scatters them across the world. But you cannot build a tower to heaven. There is nothing we can do to reach God. We cannot do it. Here at Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit comes down to us. And suddenly, people from all over the world are now hearing the same message in their language. It's the reversal of Babel. All because of the work of the Father in sending his son to die and rise again and because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Babel is all about my kingdom. Pentecost is all about his kingdom. So may we be Pentecost people. What I love about this is it's not just that the sin of Babel has been reversed through the, the work of Jesus, but look at how inclusive it is. It didn't matter where in the world you were from, whether it's from Egypt, Crete, Libya, Rome. This is a picture of the church worldwide today. From North Korea to the United States, from Biker to Blythe, people are coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and may we see more in Jesus' name. What does it show? That the love of God is not based on ethnicity, on background, on status. 
It's not something you earn, but it is a free gift. The gospel is good news. And it's good news for us all to carry to the ends of the earth for all God's people to hear. Which leads me on to my third point, which is that the Spirit is for you and for me right now. Let's take a look at verse 13. Some couldn't believe what was happening. They said that they thought they'd had too much wine. But Peter shows through the Old Testament prophet Joel that actually this was God's plan all along. That he would pour out his spirit on all people, men and women, young and old. They will receive the spirit of God and they will prophesy. There will be wonders and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It simply was to be expected then. So will we be expectant now? No? Right. (laughs) It was expected then, so let us be expectant now. Are we? Peter was not just talking to those gathered there at the first Pentecost. He's talking to me and to you today. When God promised the Holy Spirit in the book of Joel, he had you and me in mind. Isn't that staggering? That you, you, you would be filled with the Holy Spirit today. That you would dream big dreams. That you would have visions. That you would see signs and wonders. David Watson, who was a vicar at St. Michael of Belfry some years ago, said this. The crisis of the church is not at its deepest level, a crisis of authority or a crisis of dogmatic theology. It is a crisis of powerlessness in which our sole recourse is to call on the help and inward power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing less than that will save the church from senile decay and the world itself from plunging headlong into self-destruction. God has never withdrawn his promise. He still gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, the next step is up to us. Jesus, in dying, rising from the dead, and ascending, has accomplished everything. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost declares that the harvest has begun and that we must play our part. The bridegroom, that's Jesus, has come. His bride, that's us, his church, is making herself ready. Pentecost fills us with hope that one day all things will be restored and there will be the most incredible wedding banquet. So how are we making ourselves ready? How are we going to see biker transformed? How are we going to see our neighborhoods, our streets transformed? How are we going to see our region here in the Northeast, our nation, the nations, the world changed? How? By the power of the Spirit being unleashed 
in us today. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what does this mean for me and you today? I'd love to invite uh, the worship team uh, to come forward. If you are here a couple of weeks ago, you'd have heard me refer to a great evangelist, a Yorkshire man called Leonard Ravenhill. He said this, When I see the church in the New Testament, they didn't have stately buildings, they didn't have paid evangelists, they didn't have a lot of money, they didn't have organization, they couldn't get on TV and beg. But I tell you what they did, they turned the world upside down. And we have a big vision here at St. Thomas's to see this region transformed. To see places like Biker, our streets, our neighborhoods, transformed by the power of the Spirit. We have a vision to plant lots of churches, that it wouldn't just be about us here in this place as a nice little community, but that we would go out. No amount of human endeavor will make that work. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. When you go to work, may you go in the power of the Spirit. When you go to your lectures, may you go to your lecture in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're at home with friends and family, may you be there in the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is within us, Everything changes. Environment, atmosphere, anything is possible because all things are possible for God. We can see the reality of Pentecost today. Now that should make us go, wow. We can see the reality of Pentecost today. We can see the reality of Pentecost today. 200 years ago, in 1820, St. Thomas's, our church community was a small congregation. There were two evangelical ministers who arrived called Richard Clayton and Robert Wozney. Happened to be born in Beverly. It was said by, of them by the, the newspaper, the Daily Express, that they preached the depravity of man, salvation only through Jesus, and that the only way we could be regenerated was through the power of the Holy Spirit. One historian has said of them, the thing that defined their ministry at St. Thomas's was that people were filled with the Holy Spirit. In just a few years, thousands of people had come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. At St. Thomas's in this city 200 years ago. But guess what happened? In the years before these huge numbers started coming, this is what happened. There was a pandemic. There was a breakout of a disease here in this city. That meant people, the streets were deserted. Shops were closed. People looked tired. 
Clergy were overwhelmed, but St. Thomas's kept preaching the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1851, some years later, there were 900 under-18s worshipping at St. Thomas's Church every single Sunday. The Spirit filled them and revival came. And this flowed out across the city and beyond. This is the heritage we are part of. And the Holy Spirit lives within us right now. It happened then, but we can see it again. Come Holy Spirit, do it again in our time. We pray, Lord. Are we prepared to see this again? Can I invite you to stand?